And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We are so excited to be with you this day and uh, talking about some more uh, incredibly important and vital things as it relates to making Jesus Lord not only of our lives, but today we're going to be talking about how important it is that Jesus is also Lord of the larger culture and what is the role that Christians should really play as far as being engaged in culture and uh, and how much hope or how much optimism should we have that the gospel really has the power to transform nations. And so these are big topics, uh, important topics for the local church, and I'm excited to get into that today. But hey, we always like to do a little bit of a recap, and uh, Sunday was an amazing, amazing day here at Living Stones, amazing day in America as we celebrated Father's. Yeah, we at Living Stones definitely believe in fathers. Family is a core yeah. uh, value of um, protecting family, enriching family, healthy family is a core value for us here at Living Stones. I just Church. want to interject. My dad was a smart man. Of course, that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he really understood the truth, uh, and he's passed it on to us, and we're continuing that legacy. But he really understood the truth that as men go, so goes the family, so goes marriage, so goes the nation. You know, when men are not strong and men are not godly and men are not laying down their lives for their wives, yeah. for their kids, uh, when men are selfish, uh, when when men are lazy, when men aren't after God, uh, it's a disaster. Not just uh, not just personally, but for marriage, for family, for the nation. Yeah, so I, I add to that, like I, we would we would kind of distill a lot of social ills and just the tragedies and traumas in our society to fatherlessness. Yeah. Our society misses the obvious every year. You know, we deal with the problems in the inner city, the problems in our nation, the problems with violence, problems with. Especially education problem. Education yeah, problem. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. big one. Yeah, all the, the behavioral problems yeah. and and uh, the obvious uh, answer to all of this is is to deal with the problem of fatherlessness. Of course, as soon as you bring that up, now you're you know a racist. You're a bigot. You're everything else. It's as obvious as the nose on your face that yeah. that especially young men. Uh, and young men, I don't want to say even just young men, children need yeah, a father. Yeah, ladies too. Uh, but especially the ones cr- creating uh, are responsible for all the violence are generally young men, uh, you know, 18 to 25 year olds, that uh, many of them are fatherless. And yeah. so uh, we continue to deal with symptoms instead of dealing with the root cause. And we deal with things like gun, we call it gun violence, but guns don't commit violence. People commit violence. They use guns, but if you take away their guns, they'll use any other form of uh, of tool necessary to be violent. Violence is something that comes out of the human heart. And yeah. until we deal with the breakdown of the family, uh, we're not going to see the transformation. So anyway, it was it was great for me. I had, you know, of course, my son got married on the Friday before, right. and that was a great celebration of Christ-centered, godly marriage. Uh, and we're excited to, to to launch another one from the nest and uh, <laughs> get them on with uh, four down. Yeah, four down, four, four to go. go. <laughs> but the other joy, of course, was having uh, my oldest son, uh, Ronnie, who, uh, you know, we I mentioned in our last podcast, we had, we had done a wonderful father-son kind of podcast where we talked about what it's like growing up as a pastor's son. And, you, you know, you can certainly relate to that. You sure. grew up in a pastor's family. Uh, and I'd encourage you to go back, check out that podcast. But but Ronnie did a great job really talking about um, how important it is to be rooted and grounded in our identity as being incredibly loved by God. Yeah. And um, and I really encourage you, if you didn't see that, you know, Sunday was a busy day with celebrating fathers and a lot of people were traveling, but I encourage you to check out that podcast. It was a powerful, powerful teaching on, on uh, knowing and believing, being fully persuaded 
and the unconditional love of God for us. And that really is the foundation for, for successful life and ministry. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So pick us up on our series here. We've been talking about some important yeah, things. Yeah, we've been on this series called Five Barriers to Christian Cultural Leadership. Just really, really good stuff. You know, even me, myself, who's pretty immersed in, the, in, the, in the cultural issues yeah. and Christian worldview and a big fan of Chuck Colson and some of these yeah. apologists, just as we go through these these different barriers, I just feel awakened. I feel reminded. Uh, I feel a sharpening of of why it's so hard for most Christians to engage in our culture. The, the mental shift, and we talked about, yeah. we got to change our mind before we change our behaviors. Yeah. And sometimes we focus so much on behavior, whereas we need to do the hard work of our yeah. mind shifts first. And, and you know, uh, we talk about Christian cultural leadership. Th th those are some intimidating words. Yeah. You know, um, how do Christians? provide leadership in the larger culture. Many of us are incredibly intimidated even at the thought of that, and then to compound the problem, mm -hmm. when the church is preaching uh, messaging that encourages us to retreat, which is kind of what we've been talking about, some of these barriers, we're not helping ourselves when we're, when we're not equipping our people to face the challenges of cultural right. leadership. And right. they're serious challenges. I mean, it's intimidating well, to, I think to a lot leave of the church and go out and engage. A lot of times churches preach uh, retreatism because they have the right the, have the wrong mindset and they're speaking the world's language and what I love about when you when you address these cultural barriers you're breaking out of the world's language of how they see the church we're not conforming to the patterns of how the world sees the church we're saying this is how we ought to be based on the scriptures right. which is why when we do start to break out the world wants to slap us down yeah get back in your church. Right. What, what are you doing out here in the world? It's almost viewed as like we're not minding our own business or something. <laughs> and uh, and so you're exactly right. I mean, it, 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 they're like, who are you, Christians? Yeah. Get back How in dare your cave. You? Yeah, I think both, <laughs> both the uh, disruptor and you and I are so annoyed by, by that. Like, wait a second. You don't get to tell the church who the church is. Yeah, you don't what? get to tell us we're not essential. Exactly. Who are you but, to say that? Yeah. Not only have we been conditioned to retreat, the world sees the church as yeah. basically irrelevant, non-essential, stay at home, right. mind your own business, uh, keep your ideas yeah. to yourself. I mean, we, we've created this kind of expectation that the world just is embraced. Right. And that, like I said, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. Every time a Christian peeks out of the hole, whack, you yeah. know, we get we yeah. get knocked back down there. So, uh, so anyway, let's do a little bit of a review. Yeah, I, I, I suspect. Expect that if you're watching this podcast, you're one of those disruptors who's like, no, that's not the role of the church. So, but yeah, I mean, the first week we talked about spiritual pacifism. I love, I love that. You know, we've been reduced to this love bowl that we're supposed to just, yeah. our number one value in the church is to don't hurt anyone's feeling. Be nice. Be nice is our number one, not the gospel, not the great commission, not discipleship, not preaching the truth of the kingdom, but just make sure no one's feelings hurt. You know, yeah. that's spiritual pacifism. And, and the problem with, again, again, we're not trying to hurt people, not trying feelings. to do it, it's just but, not the number one priority. Yeah, <laughs> but spiritual pacifism denies all those passages in scripture where you know Paul many times uses the analogy of a soldier. Yeah. Uh, in Ephesians, we're told to put on the armor, yeah. you know, we're told that a soldier should not be concerned with civilian, you know, affairs, that we need to be focused fighting the good fight of faith, that we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power. I mean, the whole language uh, of uh, the gospel is a language of military, of warfare, yeah. spiritual warfare, not against people, but against wicked ideas and against Absolutely. demonic forces. And so if you got a love boat mentality, 
Uh, and that's what the church is. We just hand out lollipops and we're nice to everybody. You're, you're, you're going to never engage in the real issues yeah. of the larger society because those issues are always the place of great conflict. Well, Jesus said, I came to divide. You know, <laughs> I came to <laughs> to separate. And he you said, know? you know what? If they hated me, why why yeah. should you expect he, anything? He didn't get crucified because he was making sure everyone's feelings yeah. were okay. He, did, he wasn't handing out lollipops sure. and they took him to the cross. Now, he was nice. It's just the niceness is not his number one priority. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we talked about gospel minimalism, and this is one of my favorite because we preach the gospel of salvation, and we ignore the rest of the gospel of discipleship and the gospel of God's kingdom. Yeah. And yeah. we pointed out that it, you know it's a misnomer to suggest that Jesus came to preach salvation. When you look at the actual language of the New Testament, we see that Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which included salvation. We don't yeah. want to minimize that. That you know, Jesus came to redeem lost people. He came to renew us, to give us the, that we would be born again, that we would experience true salvation in Christ, uh, to live eternally, eternally with Him. But the problem with that gospel is it is a future-oriented gospel, and it doesn't deal with now. It's like. Okay, you, so you, mm -hmm. you lead your, your son or daughter to the Lord at the age of seven. Yay! Now, what message do you have for them for the rest of their life? Right. It's basically, right. uh, well, just try not to fall into yeah, sin and, and yeah. lose your salvation yeah. or something like that. So, you know, that's a terrible minimalistic message. We don't teach them that God's called them to engage the culture, that he's caused them to use their gifts to bring transformation to every arena, that Jesus is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the human heart. And so that minimalistic gospel basically gets translated into the gospel is impotent and irrelevant. Yeah. It doesn't really matter in this life. It might be important in the next life, but sure. it really doesn't matter. In yeah, this so life. you abandon the marketplace, you, you abandon education, healthcare, the arts, yeah. you abandon government, and you just say, hey, you know what? I just, I got Someday this, you're going to go to heaven. Go to heaven, that's all my, only my concern. Where Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know? Right, and, and we said, you know, this whole notion that... Uh, 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 our job is to redeem or reclaim the cosmos for the glory of God. I mean, that is a huge, yeah. massive, uh, exciting, you know, May your undertaking. kingdom come to this earth, you know. Yep, and let your will, will be done. Be done. So, on earth as it, it is, is in heaven. heaven. Amen. So uh, that is a, that is something that a young person could throw their entire being into because it's one of those visions that's, that's all-consuming and exciting and, uh, and never-ending as opposed to just, you know, go to church, be a nice person. Yeah, and I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in the church, and, and just being a nice person did not stir up passion in my heart no. until I was, I, I, revelation of the gospel, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and then just like, whoa, this, this is now passion. This is now interesting. And I believe this third cultural barrier we're going to talk about yeah. today is is a death sentence to most of the younger generation yeah. um, because it gives them a vision of nothing but failure and defeat. Yeah. And, and before um, we get to the third one, if you missed the first two, please go back and listen to those podcasts. They're phenomenal. Uh, really gives you a, a, a renewal sense of how important this message is. Yeah, yeah and, so. and you know, uh, we if we're not continually reforming the church to be the church, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to really shine uh, for our generation. And that that's our passion is that the church would not drop the ball, that we'd be faithful to what Christ has called us to do and Amen. to be. Uh, and that's why we're hitting on these things. So you might know people that could really benefit from these podcasts. I encourage you to send them the link uh, and help us spread uh, this message far and wide because it's so important. Amen. So let's talk about the third one. Well, I can barely pronounce it. It's a mouthful. So, yeah, you might, you might need to help me. Eschatological 
Escapism. Okay, eschatological escapism. That, yeah. that is a mouthful. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, explain to us, what is eschatology? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's like a Greek thing, right? What does right. that even mean? You know, that is a study of doctrine. You know, we got pneumatology, ecclesiology, mm-hmm. eschatology, soteriology. If you study theology proper, these are all the different, you know, doctrines. Mm-hmm. Eschatology deals with a study of the last things. And so when we look at the Scripture and we look at the last days or what's leading up to the second coming of Jesus to the triumphant return you know, of Christ to redeem uh, planet Earth fully and to set up his kingdom, um, we get into a view of the last days. And, and I'll maybe you can figure this out, the naked rocket scientist, if your view of the last days is largely pessimistic and negative, yeah, it's going to produce a certain outcome in the church. If your view of the last days is full of hope and full of victory and full of overcoming uh, and a vision of transformation, you're going to have a church that's full of faith and that's moving forward and actively engaging the culture. And so our understanding of the last days is critical to our success uh, in cultural leadership or our complete avoidance of any kind of cultural leadership. Absolutely. Um, so Whether we like it or not, our theology, our mindset, the last day will absolutely affect our present. Whether we like it or not, it will. Oh, absolutely. Us. Even yeah. even subtly. In fact, I hope some of you connect the dots even as we're doing this podcast to realize, oh wow, maybe this is one of the reasons why I've been hesitant to get involved or, or pessimistic. Because yeah. here's the reality that the, and we're not going to get into all the nuances of all the eschatological viewpoints and theories and so forth and so on. We could spend the next year getting into that. But let me just say that the the most common end-time scenario that's being preached in the church today is really one of defeat, despair, hopelessness. It's, it's It's a view that things are going to continue to get worse, that that the church and the gospel ultimately right here, right now is going to fail, uh, that the church is going to be on a kind of a gradual slide into total apostasy. Mm-hmm. You know, will anybody have faith when Christ returns? That kind of a, that kind of an understanding of yeah. the world. Uh, and when you hear this, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to go from bad to worse. Things are, as we get closer to the return of Christ, things are going to get so dark, so gloomy, so hopeless um, that we're you know we're literally going to be hold that like that old hymn hold the fort till Jesus comes, yeah. you know like we're going to be we're going to be this little remnant of people we're going to be hiding hold, in our closet hiding in our, in our bunker yeah we probably yeah. won't be hiding up in our churches because they'll probably all be burned Burn, down right. and we'll, we won't even have church we'll be like a little life group but we'll yeah. meet in my living room secretly yeah. Uh, and we'd just be trying to hold just on. Just waiting for the rapture to come. And- yeah, waiting for the rapture. It's very much rapture focused. Um, but but here's the deal: we we all we all believe that when Christ returns, we win. Yeah. That's not that. That's not the question. The question is: what about right here, right now? Yeah. What will the gospel win? Right here, right now. In other words, should we have a a vision for a victorious church, mm-hmm. or should we have a vision for a church that's going to continue to to get to grow weaker and weaker and have less and less of an influence? Yeah, exactly. That's an important question. Absolutely. And so, uh, many people believe that right now the devil is in charge of planet Earth, um, and that we're just sitting around waiting for the Antichrist to yeah. show up. In fact, I always challenge people: Do you have a vision? for leading 
or do you have a vision for leaving? Many people are so rapture focused, they're, they're just, they got their bags packed. It's like, you know, all dressed up, nowhere to go. You know, I got my bag, my suitcase packed. I'm just waiting for it. Yeah. I'm heaven ready. Yeah. And I'm just waiting. Uh, well, what are you waiting for? Well, I'm, I'm waiting for all these terrible things that uh, I think the Bible is predicting or promising. I'm waiting for all these right. terrible things to happen uh, so that we can get out of here. Well, when you have that mentality, what are the practical impacts of that mentality? You know? Well, yeah. So let's get real practical. Yeah. So you're raising young children, right? right? And right. I, I have grandchildren and I still have a few kids in school. Um, are you going to have a passion for Christ-centered education? Right. Or are you just going to say, um, oh, man, it's all going to hell and look at what's happening to the public schools and, right. and uh, you know, let's just pull our kids out of everything. And, and again, hear me. I, I believe in homeschooling. And I believe yeah, in Christian and education. Yeah, my kids and all that stuff, right? We, we need to instill right. a Christ-centered worldview. But sure. the why is so important. Right. For instance, I, I would never advocate a parent who's homeschooling because they're afraid to send their kids out into the real world. I mean, that, that's not, that fear should never be our motivation for right, anything. Right. Wisdom. Now, if your motivation right, yeah. is, I, I want my kids to get a really, really solid education that is rooted in Jesus. Yeah, so they can go out and be sent out to uh -huh. so, so they're equipped. You're equipped, right, right. Not so they can hide right. or they can escape or, right. or I'm afraid to send my kids out into the real world. The devil should be afraid of your kids going yeah, out into yeah. the real world. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Right. That's why we raise up godly kids, not so they can be afraid, but that, that we can put fear in the hearts of the enemy. But Absolutely. this is exactly the tension right. point I'm talking about. Absolutely. And when you raise your kid, what, what mentality are you imparting to your kids? Are your kids fearful and they, they're retreatism? They want to hide. They're building their own bunkers now. Or you are you are you raising a world changing kid who's going to go into the marketplace, go into the education realm, or go into the hospital or healthcare and reform culture and bring the kingdom of God into into wherever they're at and call to absolutely. Do. And those and that's a completely different mindset and completely different motivation. If you believe, as one famous preacher preached, he he basically said, "Look, the Titanic is sinking. We we know the Titanic is sinking." Why bother rearranging the furniture or polishing the brass on <laughs> right. the on the deck right. when you know it, it's it's almost you know I tried this one on my wife it didn't work so well but I said hey hon you know why do we have to make the bed every day we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna mess it up when we go to bed tonight it didn't work well because you know what she's like no we're going to start clean and we're going to get things in order and it's kind of the same mentality you could sit back and say hey the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket so you know what i'm just going to retreat from trying to do anything positive or anything constructive yeah. or 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 from trying to build a better future yeah and let me just ask you this question why would any young person go back to your you know your youth you're 18 <laughs> years old your whole life's ahead of you yeah. your whole future do you want to be a part of a church that basically says we're a bunch of losers? We're 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 you know destined for defeat. Yeah. Uh, our future is going to be really terrible. There is no hope. The world's going to go to hell. Um, but hey, be excited because someday uh, Christ is going to return and, and rescue us from yeah, all. You're of excited. You get to suffer with Christ as the world gets darker and darker. That's the excitement. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're come on. Join evangelism becomes join the losing team. Yeah. <laughs> um, no young person wants to hear a vision for their future that's full of doom and gloom. Uh, and the church should be a place where we're preaching hope, where we're, where we're empowering right. the next generation 
that, you know what? See, here's, here's another point we, we need to touch on. I hear people all the time say, you know, brother, we're living in the last days. Things are getting, you know, yeah. I know we're living in the last days. Um, biblically speaking, you know, the prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on yeah. flesh. The, the last days has started mm-hmm. with the birth of the church. Mm-hmm. So that's been 2,000 years ago. Right. Now, I'm not minimizing that we should not should be living with a sense of expectation about the return or of urgency, Christ. urgency, yeah. Or urgency. I, absolutely. But to suggest that we're in this quit mode, that we, you know, and, the, and by the way, during the Jesus movement, when the popular um, end-time view yeah. that's being preached still today came out, yeah. many of the pastors in those days were saying, we're living in the end times. Don't marry. Don't have a family. Don't pursue a career. Just preach the gospel because we're this is the the end times. Hmm. Now again, that was back in the '60s and '70s. Many of those people missed all kinds of important things. Like if you're a man, it's important that you find your career and that you begin to work it. Like marriage and family is a good thing. Yeah. It was this end time hysteria that led, and, and again, because it was not the the final days. Uh, people were, you know, people people went out, and, not, and again, I'm just using this as extreme examples, but people went out and racked up all kinds of charges on their credit card because they believed that they'd never have to pay it back. Um, <laughs> so my point is this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, because that was the was logic. Literal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, let's just go out and, and you know, of course, that was wicked, and that probably wasn't the the, the teaching, but it right. was twisted. Right. So, so the point is this. We... Yes, we are living in the last days. We have been for the last 2,000 years. Um, that doesn't mean we stop. And again, we pack our suitcase and we stop engaging in culture because here's the deal. We have responsibility to occupy until Jesus comes. Right. We should be working hard to preach the gospel, to make disciples. Jesus said, teach them to obey all things. All things means all things, all things pertaining this life. Uh, and I'll just say this, there's never been a missionary movement. There's never been a, a great revival in the church that wasn't rooted in the fact that we are called to take dominion, not to live in defeat, but we're called to take dominion over planet Earth for the glory of God. Yeah. And every revival movement, every successful, you know, thriving church has a vision of dominion, not an expectation of defeat. Who wants to be on a team that expects to go and get our butts kicked every time we right. try to do something positive in culture? Yes, there are battles. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, we're we're in a war, and we do not win every individual battle. But to not show up, to not engage, and to not believe that the power of God and the power of his word and the power of moving in, in, in the wisdom of scripture and the promises of God, this should, this should inspire us to take on great challenges. And we should be saying, young people in, you know, in our churches that are looking, for instance, at public education and, that, and what's happened with public education is saying, I have a vision to redeem and restore what's being taught in the public arena. That's a big vision. That is a vision that you could give your life towards. Or I'm going to be an advocate and fight for religious liberty in the courtrooms of America. Or I'm going to run for office. and I'm going to be a part of reforming. And I'm going to see in my lifetime abortion and the wickedness of abortion stopped in America in my lifetime. This is is what... 
inspired the reformers in ages past. Not a vision that, oh, well, it's all going to get darker anyway, so let's just quit and, uh, and stay at home. Well, yeah. uh, that's, again, going back to the example of your 18-year-old who's coming to church, who maybe 18-year-old who just got saved, became a Christian and says, okay, oh, yeah. what does this yeah, new well, faith what look does this like? Mean? Every other avenue of enterprise in the secular world, okay, in the non-God's kingdom world, offers some type of um, optimistic or, or progressive view of the world, taking yeah. dominion. Google offers it. Apple offers it. Some type of some Every type ism, of communism, ism, communism, communism. Yeah, some type of progressive view of taking over, optimistic in their own worldview. Yeah. And you come to the Christian world, and, and our worldview is supposedly saying we're going to get defeated. The world's going to get darker and darker, so hide in the bunker. And, and even for those who grew up in the church, if that's a message you heard, okay? I mean, I remember growing up, yeah. and one of the one of the worst, scariest, most traumatic moments I had, I was very sheltered. My parents didn't let me watch any horror movies or bad movies or right. anything like that. But we, as a young kid, I don't remember how old, but young, watched The Thief in the Night. For those who might remember, it talks about the rapture. I mean, it's just this horrifying film. I, I'm still traumatized. Basically, you say, hey, I think the end was like, we're going to get guillotined because we believe in Jesus or those who didn't get rapture or whatever it was. I'm not going to go into detail. So it was all, it was all tribulation, focus, tribulation, dark, rise of the Antichrist yeah. and terrible times and <laughs> mark of the beast and, and all that scenario. But as a little kid, you were traumatized by that. Yeah, I'm thinking, wait, this is this is what we're all going to. And uh, get saved. You don't get saved. You're going to go through the tribulation. My whole point is this, is everyone's offering some type of progressive, optimistic view. What are we offering as the church? What is our, and what does the scripture really say? Do we offer defeatism? And you, and you brought a historical point that was very interesting for those who grew up in kind of the left behind culture, you know? Oh yeah, well, first of all, back to your point. Yeah. When, when the heartbeat of the, of the motivation behind all that messaging is rooted in fear, yeah. like what you experience is exactly what the creators intended you to experience. I felt deep fear even now. I mean, still resonate with me now because I saw that at such a young age. It, it, it stayed with me. I remember those images clearly today, like 35 years later. Right. You know? and, and and I know people today in the church that, you know, when they start talking about the last days and and their, their biggest fear is, mm -hmm. will I be here during the tribulation? Yeah, right. Which again, I like to bring some perspective here historically because this view, the modern view, is is modern. It it really didn't come on the scene until the early 1900s, largely after a world war and, and some things like that. This it created a real pessimism in the church. Um, but the historical view of the church regarding the last days is not a view of despair, defeat, pessimism. It was a view of victory. I'm going to give you just one quote. This is Charles Spurgeon, but this is very common view of people throughout history who have who have preached in a victorious church for whom the gates of hell could not prevail against the church. Amen. This is what yeah. Spurgeon said. I myself believe that King Jesus will reign and the idols be utterly abolished, but I expect the same power which turned the world upside down once will still continue to do it. The Holy Ghost would never suffer the imputation to rest upon his holy name, that he was not able to convert the world. Now, two things I want to touch on. First of all, I think we have an impotent church because we have an escapist theology. Mm -hmm. We're looking to, to leave instead of to lead. But secondly, I believe we have an impotent church because we've neglected 
the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the church was birthed in Jerusalem, the very place where Jesus was crucified. I mean, this is the, talk about being the epicenter of hell itself. This is the place where Jesus Christ was beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, and crucified. Uh, the disciples, as we know, scattered uh, when Jesus needed them most. Um, but this was the very place where Peter now is baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he stands up with great boldness right in the center mm. of the marketplace. Yeah. And he says, you have crucified the Messiah, but this man you crucified, Jesus, God exalted him from the dead, and now I'm preaching salvation through his name, that you too can find eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, here's the message of the early church, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus Christ conquered death, and now the Holy Spirit comes, Joel chapter 2, the, pro the promise of the last days, the Holy Spirit being poured out on sons and daughters. This is not gender specific. The Holy Spirit is anointing men and women to be messengers of the good news of Jesus. And the testimony of the early church is that this handful of ragtag, mostly fishermen and marketplace people, right? Yeah. Who previously were weak and inept and impotent, and now they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they turn the entire city and the world at that time upside down. Yeah. Where is that message? <laughs> yeah. And why? how have we lost that message of victory and dominion and, 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 a, and a viewpoint that said you cannot stop the message of Jesus? We will infiltrate every aspect of society, and we will win. Um, where is that message? Uh, and I think, again, twofold. Number one, we deny the power of the Holy Spirit in the church today, number one. Number two, we preach and fully expect defeat. And guess what? <laughs> if you fully expect defeat, you're going to get it. And that's and that's what's happening, unfortunately, in the larger culture in America today. The church is getting her brains beat out, yeah. not because it's biblical. <laughs> you know, yeah. In fact, I just got to say this. There are actually people that ascribe to this view that we're talking about who in a warped, sadistic kind of way feel like progress is being made the deeper and darker America becomes, right? Yeah. And the farther away from Christ, they almost have this little sense of giddiness that somehow the end is... It means the end's coming. Yeah. 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 So I know people, they're looking at this mandate for vaccines. Ah, this is setting us up for the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. I know we're living in the last days. And and might even do nothing to even fight it because it's like this is all part of the one world government. This is all part of the mark of the beast. They're all kind of like excited in a weird sadistic way that the end is near. This is like progress for them. When the world getting darker is not progress, it means that the light of the gospel is getting dimmer and dimmer, not because darkness has power over light, but because light is not being light. Yeah. Uh, the problem is never with darkness. Darkness is a side effect of a lack of light. Why don't we focus on being the light instead of focusing on the absence of light, which creates Amen. darkness? Amen. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of the thing. The thing is the church of Jesus Christ. Right. And so, how sick I get it. I, I see this guy at the health club, I, uh, and he's a politician. Uh, what's crazy is he works for a party that supports everything that's contrary to the Bible right now. I won't mention that. That's another uh, disruptive conversation. <laughs> but every time I see him, Pastor Ron, oh, 
We're getting closer to the end. We're, li we're living in the end. I just can't believe. And, and that's every time I see him, that's what comes out of his mouth. But he's the most defeated. Uh, he, he's, he's addicted. Uh, he, he, he's depressed. And every time I see him, I'm like, that's the best you got? Are you kidding me? You're just going to remind me of how pathetic everything is? What are we doing to change things? Yeah. That's the message of the church. Yeah. Are, we, are we rapture focused or are we harvest focused? See, I believe it's not that we're not going to deal with darkness or challenges. Um, the Bible talks about some of those. But I also believe concurrently at the same time when the enemy is raging, the church is going to be roaring. Yeah. When the enemy is raging, the church is roaring. And we're going to see in the midst of darkness a great light that's going to shine. And I believe we're going to see a great harvest at the end of the age as well as persecution. Uh, we should not be running from persecution. Jesus said that if we're his, we're going to experience persecution. How about we deal with our fears? How about we stop looking for an escape hatch and we just look fully in the face? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Am I willing to suffer for righteousness' sake? Am I willing to preach the gospel? Am I willing to stand up for truth? Am I, how about this? Am I willing to lay my life down for the culture? so that the gospel shines brightly and that the truth of the gospel is preached and the principles of the kingdom are advanced. Uh, am I willing, you know, it, it, this, I guess, is the crux of it all. It, you're never going to work for the transformation of society if you don't believe that society can ultimately be transformed. Yeah. And I hear people say this all the time, we got to stay away from government because the government's going to lead to the rise of the Antichrist and all human governments are wicked and blah, blah, blah. Listen, the only reason human governments are wicked is because wicked people are running human yeah, governments. Because the, the church has retreated. Because the church has retreated. Because we're afraid of the Antichrist. It's become a self-fulfilled prophecy. It is. You know, when, when we re retreat from every arena of influence and then we wonder why it's perverted. Yeah. It's like, hello, it's perverted. <laughs> I knew it was going to get worse yeah, and I worse. Knew it. Yes, that's what the Bible. No, no, listen, we should be ashamed of ourselves yeah. If under our watch, the world goes to hell, if under our watch, things get so dark, that's an indictment on me and it's an indictment on the church. Uh, we should not be going, yay, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. We should be going, wow, right, how, come we've, how come we've allowed this to happen? Right, right. That, that wasn't a mission. And, and when we start to reclaim, for me personally, when we when I start to really reclaim this different mentality, this victorious mentality that 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 the Church of Christ, you know, cannot be overcome by the enemy, and really understanding the power. I mean, like you said, the early church they shook a whole world upside down, I and mean, the Roman Empire just everything infiltrate everything through what? Not through subversion or or warfare, but through the Holy Spirit. I mean, when I really understood that mentality, it stirred up such passion and fire for me to build, to grow, to empower. And, yeah, and we're not going to throw in the towel. It's like now things no. are, are not going well in society on a lot of fronts. What do we do about it? That's the real we, question. We spent so much energy and time in anxiety and fear. Fear and anxiety, I'm telling you, if you really think about it, it takes up your energy and time. You worry about things you cannot control, the things that you you, you think is inevitable anyway, and you're fearful, and it takes it sucks life out of you. But when you have a, a complete different mentality, there's new passion, there's new desires, there's new hunger for the things of God, yeah. pursuing God because you know there's there's optimism, there's hope for us to build, for us to grow. Now we can change the culture. You know, you said a good word there, hope. Hope. I think it's such a word because because faith deals with now, like you yeah. know what I'm saying. But hope is future-oriented, and what good is being a part of a hopeless church? 
mean, yeah. we are the hope of the world. Yeah. And uh, and what what kind of message are we preaching to our younger generation when we tell them that the world is hopeless? <laughs> yeah. Everything else is offering opportunities, but you know, the church, there's nothing here. Yeah. They need an yeah. exciting vision of a future that could be if they will give themselves fully. To and we're not being people. delusional. We're being biblical. The Bible offers a, a exciting. And here's the thing is when you know there's a victory overhead in your mindset, in your heart, when there is victory uh, assured by the gospel, by Jesus, then you know what? When you suffer persecution or even death, it's no, it, it's, it's so, we, we can embrace us so much better. You know, when you, like even when you play sports, you take one for the team, but you do it to win the final shot. Absolutely. You know? You do it gladly. It's not a a sense of unbridled victory after victory after victory. That's that's not realistic. This side we're living in a a mixed culture. You know, the the tares and the wheat grow together to the end of the age. We're always going to deal with that conflict. That that's takes us back to the whole spiritual pacifism thing. No, no, no. We're not in. This is not you know Nirvana here. Uh, We're in a war zone. Every square inch of this planet is being contested. We're not saying this is going to be easy. We are saying this though. If we move forward in faith and we move forward in biblical hope, we're going to see victories and we can see transformation. We can see nations discipled, which is the Great Commission. Which is what we talked about last time, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. But I I do think when we start talking about persecution, okay, in context of this victory we have in Christ, it changes our mindset, our perspective towards hardship. So you're doing it for a cause. You're not just doing it, just take it, just to take it, you know? Or how many Christians, you know, Paul even, or Peter even said, you know, don't don't uh, be like freaking out or think this is strange that you're going yeah. through an attack because you're a Christian. We still think that somehow if people don't like us or we stand up for truth and we get fired or the world, you know, releases this uh, kind of antagonistic spirit right. against people of faith like us, we're shocked. Like, how come they're being mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. This is a spiritual, you know, warfare that right. we're involved in. And Peter said, "Why are you, why are you surprised this is happening?" In other words, I think even in our, our charismatic churches and victory-based churches like ours, uh, and I don't want to say this about us because I have preached this here, but I think what we have not done is prepare people to be battle tested. Mm-hmm. We haven't we haven't developed a very good theology of suffering uh in the church because somehow we think if we have faith we won't suffer. But of course that's not that those two things do not go hand in hand. In fact, many times the stronger uh more passionate your faith, uh the more attack you experience yeah. uh because you're vibrant and you're dangerous to the devil. The, the term people use a lot, you're over the target. You're yeah. over target. It means you are effective. You are actually on target for making an impact, and therefore people are coming after you. Absolutely. You know, if you have the ball, you're about to hit, you're about to get the touchdown. People are gonna come after you and take you out. Oh, yeah. And should you not expect it? Yeah. If you play football, you think it's gonna be a cakewalk. But, but this is part of that eschatological escapism again, as we yeah. tell people, oh, don't worry. That you'll be gone when the bad stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Say that to Christians right now in, in, in communist China. Yeah, exactly. Right. Say that to Christians right now under ISIS. Say that to people in North uh, uh, Korea uh, that are living in hell on earth. Tell them, oh, 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 hang on. We're not yet in the end times. You know, the worst is yet to come. You know, no, no, no. These people are experiencing literally hell on earth now for the gospel. 
And we should not be shrinking back from that. We should be leaning into that. We should be standing up for religious liberty. We should be, you know, as we should be getting involved in government and saying, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna raise our voices again like we used to in America for the oppressed and the needy and for Christian populations across the globe that are being mistreated. We're and it will even do something about it to stop it because that's what Jesus would do. The Bible says this in 1 John 5, 4. For every child of God, are you a child of God? If you've surrendered, your, surrendered yourself to Jesus and you're under his lordship, you're a child of God. Here's the promise. Every child of God defeats this evil world. Now, is that not a promise of victory or what? This is not every child of God will be defeated by this world. No, every child of God will live in despair and depression because the world's going to destroy us. No, that's not what it says. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing the, the word of God. In other words, it's the promises of God that inspire faith. We could not have faith for victory over this world if the Bible was not full of promises declaring that we win. That's good. We are part of a winning team. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ. We are unstoppable. When we move in unity and we move in faith, we're unstoppable. And if we have a vision of escapism, we won't even bother to lift a finger to change the world around us. If you think it's inevitable that you're moving from darkness to darkness to deeper darkness, you will not you will not even try to light a candle because why bother? You'll, you'll have a pessimistic, fatalistic, defeatist mentality, uh, and you'll just go to church and go to Bible studies till Jesus comes, but you won't make one in, iota of difference in the world around you. Yeah. That's not the church. Yeah. So um, the question I want to ask again, are we willing to lay down our lives for society, knowing full well that, that we're stepping into the battle arena and that there's going to be conflict, sparks are going to fly, we're going to yeah. probably experience a little bloodshed and some wounds along the way. But are we willing to lay down our life for the larger culture so that the gospel can shine brightly in our generation? Amen. Amen. That's a that's a sobering message for all of us. So anyway, I hope you've been I hope you've been disrupted uh, in a good way. The gospel is not meant to make us comfortable. It's meant to make us uncomfortable. It's meant to throw some glass in the nest and to cause us to to get out of the nest and to fly. So we hope that you'll fly this week. I, I hope you're inspired. I mean, is there a Christian, is there a kingdom business in you that you've been uh, hesitant to start because of your mentality? If, if there's a, a governmental call, kingdom governmental call or healthcare call or, or educational call in you that's, that's been halted or paused or subverted because of your mentality of escapism. But the Lord wants to cultivate that and use you to change your community. But because of your mindset, you haven't done that. If yep. that's you, I want to ask you to reconsider and say, how can you expand the kingdom of God today? That's so good. And I'll say this to some young moms who might be watching. Has the thought ever come into your mind, oh, I don't know if I want to have a family, or I don't know if I certainly don't want to have a big family because the world is getting darker and darker, and I, and I don't know if I want to raise kids in this culture. That's part of that eschatological escapist thinking that's totally the opposite of what God's will is for your life. Yeah. Don't ever let fear determine whether you'll have a family or not, or, or the size of your family. People, people have all kinds of fears. Will, will I make enough money? Will God provide? How will they go to college? Um, you know, what about all these evils in the world? Every one of those thoughts is rooted in fear. 
Have you ever thought maybe your child is part of the solution? Your child is a William Wilberforce. Your, your child is a Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Your child is, is a world changer that's going to be part of the solution uh, instead of being a, a victim. Wimp, loser yeah. victim that's going to be swallowed up by the world. Come on, we got to change our mentality. Yeah. Uh, and it needs to start, obviously, in the local church. So. Amen. Anyway, uh, spread this message far and wide. And at Living Stones, I'm just declaring we're a victorious church. We're excited about the future. And we're going to be a part of changing the future and making history. And I hope you'll join us. Uh, and I hope you'll encourage your church. If, you don't, uh, if you're not from the area, encourage your church. Hey, let's be bold and aggressive. Let's move in faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So Amen. be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we just pray you have an amazing week and that some of the thoughts from this podcast would stimulate you as you think about what is your future uh, in this present world. All right, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. We always appreciate your comments uh, and uh, love to, to hear from your heart, all right? Have a great week, and we'll get, catch up with you next week. <laughs>